Always a privilege to uh, stand before you with the Word of God between us. Always a, a blessing to me. And certainly as our pastor has prayed this morning, that uh, it will be a blessing to you. And ultimately, glory and honor to the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love anticipation. I think the most common experience of anticipation is, is probably Christmas. I think most everybody, certainly in our, our culture, in our society, we, uh, about, about this time of year, as a matter of fact, I've already seen uh, plenty of it on mass media, uh, those that are, are getting anxious for Christmas. Uh, what was it I was going to buy at Walmart the other day? Something, but anyhow, it, it was not where it used to be. It had been replaced by Christmas decorations. And, and today is uh, October the somethingth. Thank you. <laughs> That's what you were built for. <coughs> Excuse me. So anticipation for Christmas, that's a, a popular form of anticipation. And I just like anticipating things. Uh, to me, anticipation is really part of the enjoyment. It, it's like enjoying the event before the event ever occurs. Uh, I always tell Karen we're, when we're, we, we talk about we're, we'll go out to eat somewhere. I want to know where we're going to go. I want to know what, what restaurant we're going to eat at. So I can anticipate, you know, I can, I can look forward. Yeah, Kelly said, come on out there, I hope you like it. You're going to know you will. It's a <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely, I can enjoy anticipating that, that's for sure. But yeah, anticipation is, is uh, and you know, the, the Bible word, for anticipation is, is hope. Uh, in the Bible, we, we find that as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as believers in the Word of God, as Christians, we have this, this hope that is, that is truly an anticipation of trusting, trusting in what Christ has done and trusting in what Christ has said he will do, giving that hope, that anticipation, that joy, that peace that comes in this hope, even in the midst of the storm that rages around us. We've been reading in recent weeks, hearing our pastor bring messages from the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. Hearing about some people that, that lived in difficult days. People that had to persevere at a time when a storm raged around them. People who were called by God to serve Him at a time 
and in a place that didn't seem to hold much hope. In Matthew chapter 1, we find in that list of the ancestry, the lineage of Jesus, a man named Zerubbabel. We've heard his name before. We've heard his name in, in recent weeks and in another context. For we see Zerubbabel in the book of Ezra as one of the men who returned to Jerusalem from the Babylonian captivity, who came with the commission from God to rebuild that temple in Jerusalem. I want to spend some time with Zerubbabel this morning. Zerubbabel, as we encounter him in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and others, Zerubbabel was a leader. He was designated the governor of Judah. But Zerubbabel was royalty. Zerubbabel was so much more than just a governor. Zerubbabel was a king. A king of the house and lineage of David. King Zerubbabel. And the more I read about Zerubbabel, the more I studied, the more I respected this king and the more I come to love what he stands for. For King Zerubbabel probably had the dirtiest hands of any king in all of history. Zerubbabel was a, a working king. Zerubbabel was a king without a throne, no palace, no crown, no treasury, no army, very few people, and little authority. His capital city lay in ruins. And the people in the surrounding communities opposed and oppressed him. The temple that he was building, the temple that he was supposed to be building to the glory of God, lacked any of the grandeur of the people that his, of the temple that his grandparents had talked about. Zerubbabel had, had grown up in Babylon. From a child, he had known the grand and glorious edifices of that great city. Those, those enormous, magnificent ziggurats that the Babylonians raised. Those Babylonians now, they knew how to build to the glory of their God idols. Magnificent buildings, towers, reaching into the heavens, lavish gardens, landscaping the entrances to these temples. You've heard of the seven wonders of the ancient world, one of them being the hanging gardens of Babylon. 
gold, silver, silk, linen, decorating and furnishing the chambers of those temples dedicated to the Babylonian deities. Zerubbabel served God. And he wanted to build a temple that would befit the glory of the true God. But his efforts produced nothing like the grandeur of Babylon or the glory of Solomon's temple. Zerubbabel and his people didn't have much. But what God made sure that they did have was hope. Hope that comes to them through faith in the word of God. God was with Zerubbabel. God was working in Zerubbabel. God had given him his promises had shown him a glory that far surpassed the, the splendor of Babylon, exceeding even the beauty of Solomon's temple. God was working in Zerubbabel to build a temple to himself, the majesty of which would last for all of eternity. God spoke to Zerubbabel and the people building the temple, through two prophets, the prophet Haggai and the prophet Zechariah. In Haggai chapter 2, we read of God's word through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel. In Haggai chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. What Zerubbabel saw 
what Zerubbabel saw around him was disheartening. What he saw was work. What he saw was a lot of work. A temple to be built. Workmen to be organized. Materials to be procured. Security. Oh yeah, security had to be established. What Zerubbabel saw was work. A lot of work. Zerubbabel and his people didn't have much. And what they did have could have been very disappointing. But what God saw, what God saw in Zerubbabel was not at all disheartening. God loved Zerubbabel. God cared about Zerubbabel and looked on his work. God looked on Zerubbabel's work with eyes of eternal destiny. We continue in Haggai chapter 2 at verse 20. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet, signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Remember where I first mentioned seeing the name Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel had a promise. He had the word of God, a promise that he was, he was chosen. He was chosen by God. Chosen by God very specific, specifically, very pointedly. Zerubbabel, God says, I have chosen you to wear the ring, the signet ring, the ring of God's authority. Now, not to, not to be too, uh, too much explanation here, but the idea of the signet ring is the authority ring. The king wears, and when the king puts his seal from this ring, when he puts his seal on his, his word, his proclamation, what he has done, his judgment, it's done. That's it. Final authority, the signet ring or the signature ring, if you'd like. God has told Zerubbabel, you are going to be my judge. You are going to be the one who judges the nations. God's authority. When God would establish his throne upon the earth, Zerubbabel could work Zerubbabel could encounter a lot of work. In his day, 
because he knew that the Lord would have his day. What was apparent to Zerubbabel's eyes was not all that was apparent to God's eyes. Zerubbabel could be faithful in the work of the Lord, for he had God's promise. He had God's word. He had God's hope, the day of the Lord. For God had said to him, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Those who thought Zerubbabel so small, so weak, so inconsequential, a real nobody. Those who thought themselves so strong, so mighty, so powerful, they will in that day tremble before the Almighty. And in Zerubbabel, a signet ring was the authority of the Lord God to judge the nations. I said there were two prophets, Zechariah is the other. We encounter in Zechariah chapter 4 of his writings, at verse 6, Zechariah 4, 6, the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah. Then he said to me, this is, this is the word, this is the, Word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. from the lineage of kings, from the house and lineage of David, the son of Zerubbabel, a descendant from Zerubbabel. God sends his son, Jesus, a king born in a stable, laid in a manger. A king, no crown, no palace, no treasury, no army, few followers, opposed by most. But he had not only did he have the Word of God. He is the Word of God. He is the fulfillment of the promise of God. He is the fulfillment, the accomplishment of what God has told Zerubbabel he is going to do. But the glory is, is not yet. Jesus said to his followers, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. 
Yes, Jesus. Jesus is the descendant of Zerubbabel. Jesus is the fulfillment of what God had said to, to Zerubbabel. But Jesus is so much more than just the descendant of Zerubbabel. Jesus fulfills the will of the Father, sacrificed his life as a propitiation for the sins of his people and was raised from the dead as the first of those to be resurrected. For those who believe, he is hope. For the scriptures say to us in John chapter 1, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. A promise right from God. Hope not in what is, but hope in what is yet to be. And so at a very troubled time, in the midst of the storm, Jesus says to his followers, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The world we live in isn't all that we might like for it to be. No crown, no palace, no treasury, opposed by many. But what we have is hope. Hope that is inspired as it was in Zerubbabel, that we might do the work that the Lord has given us, faithfully, executing, faithfully carrying out what God has called us to do and to be. Hope that comes by confident assurance called faith in the Word of God. For in the words of the prophet Zechariah, spoken in the days of Zerubbabel and Zechariah 2, Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. <coughs> I love anticipation.
And when the heavens open up, when the heavens open and the rider on the white horse appears, the rider who is called Faithful and True, dressed in a robe dripped in blood, whose name is the Word of God, and who has on his robe and on his thigh written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And the armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. If you can take your eyes off Jesus, look about three riders back on the left-hand side. And you may see riding there a man with a, with a smile on his face. A man with a, with a smesh, special smile. A guy with a, a smile on his face that has that knowing look. The countenance of a man pleased. Of a man satisfied. Vindicated. Fulfilled. And you'll hear me yelling, Amen, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen, kings of Rubabel. Amen, all you faithful saints of the ages. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus. I love anticipation. Anticipation is like enjoying the event before it ever happens. This is the hope that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord promised Zerubbabel this day, the day of the Lord, and so it shall be, for so the Lord has spoken. No, Zerubbabel's temple won't be there. His temple wasn't much. But in the New Jerusalem, there's, there's no temple. There's no temple building because the Lord God Almighty Himself is the temple. The city needs no sun nor moon for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. I so hope that you enjoy anticipation. I so hope that these words, these promises are enough in your heart that you can have that joy, that you can have that, that hope and that peace that comes from this full assurance, God has spoken, and so it shall be. This day of the Lord, it's nearer now than it has ever been before. This is the day of repentance. This is the day to believe. This is the day of hope. And this is the day to work. 
And with Zerubbabel, rejoice in the hope of the glorious appearing of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you and give you thanks for this hope. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, that we might have this assurance of your promises, O God. For in him you have accomplished all that is necessary that we might have life. Grant to us, O Lord, this day in the presence and power of your Holy Spirit that we might truly be convicted of our sins, our need of a Savior, and that we might be called into repentance, that we might know that Jesus has accomplished our salvation and we might have that assurance of life eternal to be with you forever and ever. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for calling us to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.